Hello my wonderful quiet rebels, this is Mike here and before we jump into today's episode I want to let you know that this conversation is brought to you by my ultimate podcast guesting workshop series. This is a three-part series that is absolutely self-paced and it follows my pitch with purpose framework which is a three-part holistic process for you to integrate podcast guesting into your business as a sustainable visibility strategy for you. So if you'd like to send fewer pictures and land more interviews, create meaningful relationships and business partnerships as a result of this outreach approach, and of course, to find the right spaces for you to show up in a way that helps you express your most authentic self, then I invite you to check this out. All you need to do is go to makeasang.com forward slash UPG, or you can head to the link in the show notes to check it out there. All right, that's everything from me today. And now back to the show. Hello, my lovelies. This is Meike Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my wonderful Quiet Rebels. It's Meike Sang here, your lovely host. And I'm so excited that I have a truly, truly amazing guest with me today. And we're going to be talking about how you can build a globally inclusive business by embracing all of your identities. So this is with none other than Danby Shin. So Danby, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast to talk about such an important topic. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. All right. So I have, um, I think like we have been like almost passing each other like ships in the night sometimes and all, and also kind of like um, being able to actually witness what each other do. And I started noticing more and more of your work around, you know, how we can take the steps to move away from being a purely Eurocentric kind of focused business to a more polycentric one and those are terms I just recently learned I feel so proud of myself into context but for those of us um but for those who um, aren't quite sure what those terms mean could you share what they mean to us and how you really got into this work in the first place Mm. thank you for asking so with other terms like these I think everyone has their own definition and uh, different ways of using the words but for me my experience with Eurocentrism is that the Western world is considered the standard, um, the norm, the norm, but also the standard to which we should all aspire. Um, it's considered the best. It's considered it's yeah. The word itself means that it's the center of the world, right? the West is the center and everything else is kind of 
in the margins. And my experience with this is basically my whole life story. I grew up going to an international school in Sri Lanka, which is a former British colony. Uh, we were talking about tea just before we started recording. Yep. <laughs> if you are a fan of Ceylon tea, Ceylon is an old colonial name for Sri Lanka. And that's where it comes from. Um, I went to an international school, but in hindsight, huh, a lot of the people who are in positions of power, uh, the head, the heads of school, the heads of departments, board members, uh, people leading the parent-teacher association, they were all white um, or Americans and Europeans. And I think even as a child, I saw that, but I didn't think about it in a, in a very conscious way. Um, the, the message I took away was, oh, that's what I should aspire to be, that whiteness. Um, and as a student, I feel like I also became conditioned to exaggerate my uh, Westernness, which I think, you know, is, is a very natural part of, um, of growing up and kind of assimilating the, the characteristics of people around you. So the student body was also very diverse, but mostly white, uh, mostly American, mostly European. And in the process of trying to get closer to whiteness, to Westernness, I was rejecting and minimizing a lot of my Koreanness. I'm South Korean. And that kind of continued on to my uh, adult life. Um, I spent 10 years in the corporate world. I would, I would generalize as the corporate world. Um, I did have a, a brief stint as a tech founder. Um, I also worked in other people's startups. I worked for big multinational conglomerates and all of those experiences also involved working for a white man. The CEO was always a white man. And for me, I think throughout my life, um, the message that I've been given is this is the ideal. This is what we should all aspire to be more like. Um, it's kind of a joke because there is no way I can be like a white dude. <laughs> there is just not <laughs> ever going to happen. But that's the lens through which I see Eurocentrism. Um, it's definitely also very much everywhere in the online business world because, you know, the online business world is not separate from our real world, the world we mm -hmm. live in. And yeah, I can share from my experience that in a lot of these international, air quotes, <laughs> um, contexts, the, the messaging is that we should all strive to be more uh, closer to that, those Western ideals. Mm. Oh, I feel so much of that. And just like you, like I can never be a white dude. <laughs> um, but I love what you just said there about, um, you know, the online world is not separate from the, the real world, right? Um, our online world is an expression you know, of what our real world is. And I've heard um, some folks say, and I completely agree with this, like, oh, the beauty of the online business world is a low barrier of entry. Mm. At the same time, it's also like, a, it's also 
a blessing and a curse. It's kind of like you like yes, low barrier of entry. It's like oh crap, it's a low barrier of entry. <laughs> so it's kind of like um, we really have to make a conscious choice with what we are choosing to perpetuate, what we're choosing to let go of, and what we're choosing to bring into the world, and hopefully it will translate back into the real world because the real world, in air quotes, um, influences our online world. But it can also be the opposite way around. And hopefully this conversation is the start of that as well, or a contribution to that at least. So thank you for sharing about, you know, what really brought you to this work. And I know that we briefly talked about, you know, what Eurocentricism is, but what does it mean to you to have a globally inclusive business? Because Mm -hmm. this is something that I remember I saw a post of yours on Instagram. I think you showed... Uh, please forgive me I don't know I can't remember the exact percentage but um, you mentioned the percentage of people who are based in certain countries who are likely to be your clients and how we've missed out so much of the rest of the world so um, I remember I'm thinking yeah that is so true why are we catering to only like just one side of it when there are so many more people who are pretty much left out from you know from considering so, yeah, what does it mean for you to be a, a globally inclusive business? And what does that look like practically as well? Mm. So for us and the Quiet Rebel listeners that we have, we're talking about the online business world. So in that context, being globally inclusive means running your business in a way that makes people from all around the world feel like they belong in your community. So in an ideal world, I feel like where you are in the world, where you're from in the world, wouldn't have an impact on your likelihood um, of your success in the online business world. But as you mentioned, when you look at the stats, I think it was 6.1% of all the people in the world who are online, who are based in the US. and most of the business conversations that we see are so US focused and so US based. And I understand that a lot of businesses are based out of the US, but at the same time, when you're just talking to, when you're kind of talking at the world to your audience as an online business, whether you designed it that way or not, you're gonna have people from all around the world. So if you're choosing how you present your offers, how you sell those offers, how you interact with people in your audience with just, I'm going to pick on the Americans now, with just the (laughs) US-based audience in mind, you're leaving out 94% of your possible, your potential audience. Um, I, I kind of think of it as, for every, um, let's say, six people who are like amazing, good fit clients that you might be reaching, you're possibly kind of marginalizing 94 people who might be just as good fits for your business and the work you want to do and the impact you want to have that you're just not even, you're not even speaking to. Mm. So... I feel like in the world that we live in today, uh, where you are in the world and where you're also from, because those could be different things, it makes such a big difference to how easy it is for you to start an online business, to grow your online business. 
And a big part of that is it's hard to find communities where you feel like you belong. And I'm just speaking from my personal experience. Um, So for me, when you're running a globally inclusive business, you're taking care when it comes to choosing what words you use, what sales strategies you use, um, how you interact with people in your community. And you're doing all of that in a really intentional way so that everyone in your audience feels not just not just tolerated, but they feel valued and appreciated and celebrated. Like it's a good thing that they're there. Yeah. Oh, but just the the visual that you said, like just a while back around, you know, speaking to six people, like just think of it as a as an event, right? And so say if there are rows, each row has six chairs. So it's, it's almost like only speaking to to people in the front row and like and mm. everyone else behind them is like, no, like we, we we're here too. Yeah, we're here too. Hello. <laughs> right. So oh, that's such a powerful, powerful visual. And there's something that actually came up for me as you were speaking. And that was um, so if we say if someone is, you know, they are fairly successful with only speaking to the to the US centric market, right? Um and so they're like, okay, well, this works. So I should like just keep going, keep going, keep going. Mm-hmm. So how would you kind of advise someone like that to be able to kind of not break the cycle, but expand the cycle, let's just say, um, without it feeling like, oh gosh, but I'm, what if I'm sacrificing that? Because yeah. we have a need to take the path of least resistance. And when we know that something works, of course, we're going to continue it, right? So what are your thoughts on that? Mm. Such a good question. And also, I have another version of this question that I've gotten a lot that mm-hmm. kind of um, comes from the same place. And it's, well, I look at my audience and this is what works for most people. So I should do the thing that works for most people, right? And I feel like that's such a logical conclusion to draw. And at the end of the day, it comes down to what's important to you. Maybe it's not as important to you that you serve people from all around the world. I think that is your decision to make. I think that's something for you to like accept and be comfortable with and say, Hey, like, this is my audience. This is where I'm focusing my energy and I'm okay that the decisions I make um, might mean that people who are not in this part of the world get left out and they're not as welcome. That is, I think I think part of also being inclusive is just acknowledging that everyone is in a different situation and everyone has different things going on and you have to make the decision that makes sense for you. What I would offer is, yeah, if you decide that actually it is very important to you to make sure that the the impact you have, let's say I work a lot with online coaches and online coaches are all about having an impact and really helping change, literally change people's lives. And I really believe that that's the work they do because I have experienced it myself. I have worked with coaches in different areas of my life. And I know that I wouldn't have had those personal development moments, those processes without the support of my coaches. Um, And if as an online coach, for example, you decide that you want your impact to be global and you don't want to be propagating the same kind of systems that push people who are not in specific parts of the world, who are not in the West, 
kind of out to the edges, then you have a decision to make. Are you going to support the majority of, just focus on supporting the majority of your audience and your clients, or are you going to invest some resources into making sure everyone feels equally as supported in the way that they want to be supported? Mm. Yeah, so that's like a fine balance. I literally think of it as like two hands. Like one one hand is you know focusing on what's already there, and the other instead of you know helping that's the very same hand is actually being extended to an area that actually hasn't been really given enough tender loving care and attention um, for the time for the time being. And so it's just kind of like okay, let's just redistribute, just just bring all the mm-hmm. resources back to the center and just redistribute them differently so that we can have a different and more expansive impact that we otherwise wouldn't have had if everything just stayed the same. Yeah, and I love your the, the way you have um, painted the picture of expansion. I think that's what it is. It doesn't, we don't live in a zero-sum world. If By including more people, it doesn't mean that you're pushing some people out. Like they're not this limited number of opportunities. Um, and I do think of it as an expansion rather than just focusing. It's 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 growing the pie versus like <laughs> taking someone else's piece of the pie and giving it to someone else. That's that's not really how this works. I mean, I'm all about expanding pie. So <laughs> <laughs> literally thought of a, a tiny yeah. pie versus a giant pie. I'm like, yeah, like hell yeah, it's a giant pie. Like that's more crust. <laughs> <laughs> I love the question <laughs> same yeah and it's about expanding your business right it's it's expanding your capacity and I, I have seen you do it I have seen you add pods and additional time zone support to support your audience so I feel like we have role models in the industry to look to 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 different ways of doing this Thank you for sharing that because <clears throat> I, it was only, I made a decision quite a while back to have an additional pod. And it was because I noticed that, so, that there was a fair amount of my audience who were based in Asia and Australia. And the times that I originally had my calls at would have been in the middle of the night for them. And that's just not fair. And then when I polled them to ask, do you ever feel that your time zone is not catered for? And it was a very, very unanimous yes. And I was like, okay, this is the right decision for me. And now I'm thinking of like, any time I run calls, like, wait, I need to have like both, <laughs> like different different parts. Like for me, it's like 11 a.m., which is normally their evening, and then 5 p.m., which is normally the morning for, uh, you know, U.S., Canada, like mm-hmm. that, that, that world. And Europe is kind of like in the middle of like, well, who, who prefers the morning versus who prefers the afternoon so they kind of get a bit both <laughs> so I'm based in Europe so that's it needs it also needs to work for me this is a very very fine balance the time zone inclusivity I feel it's just really the minimum that I that I can do and so I'm curious to hear from you and um, not just for me but for everybody who's listening what are some very practical ways that we can start you know changing this where we focus on like trying to expand our reach to audiences that we otherwise may have neglected or completely forgotten about? I am willing to bet that if you've been in business for a little while, you have audience, you have people in your audience who are from different parts of the world. 
And I think the best place to start is to start conversations with those people and build relationships. Like not just, not just because they can give you feedback, not just because you can do market research, but to understand what their experiences have been. Um, I would ask what their experience has been with your brand, with if you have a team, with your team. I think just taking that step um, goes goes so so far into kind of building that sensitivity that. We, call, we talk about um, emotional intelligence, right? I would offer that there's like a level of cultural intelligence, um, something beyond culture as well, though, that you, you start building that awareness when you start talking to people and having actual one-on-one conversations. If someone asked me that, and some people have asked me that, and that's why I offer it as like the best first step because I know how much that meant to me. If people ask me, I would share things like, well, you you said my name the way I don't, not the way I say it, and you didn't ask me about it. Well, no, I I don't mean you. I don't mean you. I meant like in a hypothetical situation, (laughs) it wasn't you. You said my name just fine. Um, And and I like having my name said different ways. Right. Um, Because I grew up surrounded by so many different people I for me I have internalized a lot of ways that my name has said I've been said and also because I the way I say my name when I speak English is different from how I say my name when I speak Korean Mm. and so that was not um, a comment on you personally but that's something that I might have told someone but you didn't check in with me on how to say my name and that would have been really appreciated mm-hmm. I might also say something like yeah that one time when you said oh like I just thought you were an American based in the U.S. and kind of glossed over that mm-hmm. I would tell them that that was actually not a really great experience because I mean <laughs> just just that assumption itself is um is quite hurtful but also I'm from South Korea we have a very complicated relationship with the U.S. and that's something that I wish people would be more sensitive about Um, so yeah I I feel like inviting people to have those conversations with you and these are people who are already part of your audience people who already love what you're doing that's why they're there Mm -hmm. I think that would make a big difference oh this all all of this um yeah, I, I can definitely relate. And the reason why I immediately was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. is because I I get it because my name gets mispronounced all the time. Like I get called, get called Mikey a lot or Mikey or um, yesterday I got called, um, yeah, Mikey was yesterday. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I, I, um, there was this one time when, um, I was running a workshop for someone and the host introduced m- me incorrectly. And then I didn't correct him at the time. Mm. But when I introduced myself through my slides, I said the name differently. And what I did not expect was actually when I was wrapping up the workshop, he did a public apology to me in front of everybody. And there was like at least 30 people on this call. And I really didn't expect it. But that just goes to show how I'm so used to mm. quiet and kind of like shutting up around like oh I don't want to like correct the person that's rude but then he really went 
like it was clear it wasn't performance it's like no I made an assumption that shouldn't have happened and like it was everyone was like oh wow you know <laughs> and then me I, I, I honestly didn't know what to say but I really appreciated you know the gesture because again my name gets mispronounced all the time but that's mm. that's, that's that's an example right there of like what we can do because um um anytime like I speak to someone because the reason why I was shocked and immediately went into apology mode when was like when you said you but I know you didn't mean me <laughs> it's because I do remember asking how to pronounce your name in our previous call and I and I was so sure that I got it right and I was like oh okay but, but I'm always of course open to um shifting that but but that is a a really it's a really small thing that can mean a huge thing for for other people because honestly anytime someone unmutes themselves on any of my workshops or any calls that I run I never assume how to pronounce their name and I mm. remember there was this time when I did a cup of catch-ups which is um every month I opened three slots of 20 minutes on my calendar just to just to connect with my audience and there was two people um who had a very similar spelt name but it was different one was Andrea and one was Andrea so it was like mm. it's very different um and then there was someone who looks like her name was Ava but then uh, and the pronunciation was ever you know so yeah. it's like okay so we never assume so that's one small thing that we can do that can make a world of a difference yeah. um all right so we've got time zone inclusivity asking asking people how to pronounce their names and having rich conversations which I completely agree that has really expanded my perspective so much by having just these private conversations not just for the sake of feedback but just out genuine curiosity and I'm so willing to learn and hear what they have to say and I can tell from how they're speaking to me that it's kind of like oh wow you actually care <laughs> it's kind of like like oh no one's asked me this before and that makes me really sad to think that that's out of the blue for them and it's not a norm you know so oh, yeah names up. are big as well right especially I don't want to speak for you obviously but I feel I have a feeling you might relate, especially when you have a multicultural background. Mm-hmm. Our names often connect us to parts of us that don't get seen as much. Um, and so for that reason, they're also extra special. They are. And, you know, I do remember there was one of my peers. Um, so she, she is Japanese. And I remember her saying to me, do you ever feel like you're disadvantaged because your name is different? You know, um, because it's not easy, it's not um, intuitive to pronounce the way it's actually meant to be pronounced. And I said, I used to, and sometimes it still bothers me if someone um, doesn't pronounce my name correctly. But how many other Meike signs are out there? Um, how many other Meike signs are there who do what I do? None. If you type in my name in Google, I'm covering all the pages pretty much, at least with, um, I've actually done this like incognito. So, you know, when there's no search history yeah. and um, I go back at least eight pages and it's all me. So I'm like, well, you know, yes, it sucks that my name's not pronounced correctly, but hey, <laughs> there's not that many people who actually have the same name who do what I do. So that is actually a underlying benefit that I did not anticipate, but it helps <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah so did not expect for this to come up but at the same time I kind of did so 
there is a question that I've been wanting to ask you, and that is, how do we infuse and intentionally bring in the layers of our identities into the way we express ourselves in our businesses? Because we are not one-dimensional people. We have so many layers to us, and some of them are absolutely dedicated to each of our identities that we uniquely carry. Some of them, which are openly obvious, but also can be assumed. Um, But there's also ones that we hide within us that people wouldn't know unless they asked. So I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Like, How do we Mm. integrate our identities and express them in our businesses in a way that serves us and our audience? I feel like it starts with recognizing um, all the different versions we might be living of ourselves. Mm. It's something that I'm working on. Um, I feel like I have a bit of a... Um, so to back up, when I was in the corporate world, there was definitely like professional version, the professional version of me. And there was like the full version of me <laughs> and, and possibly a different version of me when I'm around my like immediate family um and for me I I spent a lot of time integrating those different identities and a lot of that had to do with creating inclusive spaces within the walls of my employer's uh structures Mm -hmm. and that helped a lot that helped really find other people who struggle with the same kind of questions and wanting to bring our whole selves to work and those kind of ideas. And even now, even though I run my online business as an extension of who I am, and I would like to think that I'm bringing all of myself into my business, there are times when I I see, oh, that's still like there's, if you think about it as a Venn diagram, there's a huge area of overlap. Most of it overlaps. But then I see like, oh, that's that's still like online, online business, Danby. And <laughs> she's not, she doesn't completely overlap with uh, personal life, Danby. Um, so I would say paying attention to those moments where you're like, oh, we, I didn't say what I wanted to say. I didn't say what I might have said. Um, I didn't do what I might have done if I didn't stop myself. And kind of taking the time, I feel like it takes so much time and space to think through those moments and really examine why did that happen? Um, Why did we, well, I know why it happened. Usually it's because I'm worried that someone will criticize me for it, will judge me for it, um, that I don't feel safe because, you know, as online business owners, when we when we get vulnerable, when we share parts of ourselves that we don't always share, there's a chance that that can have a real impact on our business, our ability to earn a living for ourselves. And I feel like that's a real threat. Um, So yeah, I think it's like to bring all of our identities, kind of infuse the less obvious parts of our identities into our business. It's pay more attention to how we show up and how we hold, hold ourselves back and thinking about how we might, how we might not hide as much those parts that we keep hiding. Mm. Oh, 
this is really this is really making me think <laughs> and that, that's a really good thing because it makes me wonder hmm, which parts of me am I willingly choosing to keep separate because there are mm. some things that we just shouldn't like put into our businesses if it just doesn't feel right for, for us so for example um I I don't share much detail at all about my partner who's a huge part of my life but my partner has chosen to um that she says to me um you know she's a very private person so she doesn't really want her her picture every, anywhere or like um, mm-hmm. any identifying information I'm like yes of course complete respect that and I know some people have their partners in the center <laughs> you know in of their marketing and some of them and also some people choose to have their kids there and mm-hmm. like that's 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 them and it's definitely not me because when I have children I'm sure I'm gonna be tempted to show how cute my baby is I probably will share a picture every now and then but they they won't be a huge part of it because in Chinese culture we are pretty much um you know we're very private and very offline don't like sharing too much personal stuff out in the open but only with people that we know but that's just because of how we are and so it's kind of like I'm not gonna force something that feels out of out of integrity to me and it feels like I'm mm. dishonoring my, my identity there as well so it's, it's definitely a case-by-case basis for each identity like each identity like mm, like what space do you have in my business <laughs> you know um I mean for example a hidden identity of mine I have shared it I have shared it a fair amount like I just did the fact that I'm in a same-sex relationship right so I am on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum that's a long that's a long acronym but like, <laughs> um but for example, I won't quite put the pride flag out openly in my bio. I'm not ashamed of it, but it's because I have been shamed before in my culture. Mm-hmm. And so it's I'm still carrying a trauma response there that needs to be worked through. Maybe one day I will, one maybe one day I or maybe I just won't, it's like in the future. Mm-hmm. But it's not because I'm not proud of it. That's because it's just my personal limit with like how much I'm willing to share. But um, I have noticed uh, there was one time when someone who is very, very open with her sexuality and she has this on her on her bio and, you know, on her Instagram. And she, when she found this out about me, she added me into a conversation where everybody identified, you know, somewhere on, on that spectrum. And I felt very, very uncomfortable because they were talking about things that I, I just couldn't resonate with because some things were very private. And then I had to have a very confronting conversation with her. She honestly meant well. And I do know that because mm-hmm. she, she said to me, like, oh, when I, um, what's it? Oh, when I found this community, I felt like I could be myself. I was like, that's amazing for you. I'm so glad. And I said, but the thing is, I didn't consent to being, being added to this conversation. And because of that, I felt very exposed and I felt that I was being thrown into the deep end there with an identity that I only share with people I know and trust enough to tell. And even if the intention means well, the impact still matters. But she, you know, she was very understanding and she honestly didn't mean anything by it, which is why I couldn't be mad at her. But it was a way to reinforce that boundary. Like, look, this identity Mm -hmm. is a part of me that I'm only willing to distribute in certain places which is why visibility is so important, especially when you know how to like, um, you know, go for certain opportunities 
for places and with people who you feel comfortable enough to share certain parts of yourself that you otherwise wouldn't share with just anybody. But I want to share that story. I'm, I wonder if that resonates with anyone who's listening right now or if, if anything came up for you, Danby, like as I was sharing that, about having a part of your identity that was expressed to people that you did not consent to. Has that ever mm-hmm. happened? If you don't mind me asking. I don't, I don't think in that exact um I don't think I have ever been put in that kind of a situation and I'm sorry that happened to you. As you were speaking, what it made me do, what made me think about is the for me the identity that you chose to to bring to the front was that person who who was willing to say hey this situation that you put me in without my consent made me feel really uncomfortable and this is a problem for me that's that's the exact kind of thing that if you are hiding a part of yourself you might not have said you might have just gone along with it and because you knew she meant no harm you would have just kind of let things be Um, and I have definitely done that and for me those are the moments where or I think about when that I reflect on and I think that wasn't really me like if I was being all of who I was in my business I would have said something and it can be something as small as your coaching calls are in the middle of the night and I'm not going to say anything because I just I'm desperate to get out of my day job and grow my business so I'm going to show up at two o'clock in the morning and those those are moments where I didn't say anything, although I wish that in hindsight I had them. Hmm. Oh yes, that I can absolutely resonate with as well. Um, to be honest with you, most of my because uh, I, I know you said that you didn't quite want to call it a persona, but uh, I guess the willingness that the willingness we have to express all that we are in our business mm-hmm. is it's very close to how I express myself off camera. <laughs> um, and that's very special to me because honestly, sometimes in my business, I wish that was, I wish I could share this in every context of my life, but it's not the case. And it's quite sad really. Um, but at least there is a place for, uh, for that to occur. And it's definitely where the reason why like I'm working on all of this internal stuff, all this identity stuff, is because of how much it means to me to be able to show the work in progress for anyone else, um, not as an example, not as like the way or the how to or anything like that. Because I always make it clear, I'm like, this is not a how to, this is just how I've done it. <laughs> so just, mm-hmm. just take what you will and leave behind what, what doesn't resonate. Um, but yeah, so it's definitely multi layered for sure. <laughs> because we are. <laughs> yes, we are as human beings, we're not one dimensional, we are multi layered for sure. And so there's no wonder why it's um, difficult to, or, or challenging, I guess it's just a different word. That's why it can be challenging to move from a Eurocentric type of business to one that is more globally inclusive because it actually challenges us with stuff that comes up. Like how many things have we squashed over the years? Have we silenced our own voices and dismissed ourselves for the sake of being quote unquote accepted in the place that we should be like, yes, we should be, we should belong there. But at the same time, do we need to dismiss so much of ourselves in order to belong? Because if that is the case, 
then we are not honoring ourselves. And so that's not but, true belonging. Yeah, it's not true belonging. It's it's, it's being. Um, so you know the term DEI, like diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, some have said that there is a missing letter at the end, and it's a B, which is belonging, because some people mm. can be included without actually feeling that they belong. So yeah. that that's complex. I feel that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that so much. Yes, exactly. So it's kind of like, okay, how can we bring in more of the B, basically? Like, how can yeah. we help ourselves belong? And sometimes if you can't find a space where you feel like you belong, that's often the space that we're called to create. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I have no follow-up. That's so true. I just feel like <sighs> until... Until just a couple of years ago, I think I was just looking everywhere for that place where I could belong. And I just felt, I, I came to the realization that it's impossible to belong somewhere where I feel like I'm still filtering myself, where I'm still not bringing all of myself. And this is what I mean when I say it's so hard to find an online business community where you can just kind of show up and not worry about how you're going to be perceived, how what people are going to think. And I, and I don't mean this just from like people are judgmental kind of a way. I mean this from, I mean this as someone who has been judged for the person that I am, for the identities that I hold. Um, and I just decided, well, I guess that means that I need to create that space for myself <laughs> um, yeah. and you you just kind of wrapped up in one very poignant sentence um, yeah my that entire experience oh so there's definitely a lot of work for us to do but hopefully this conversation will be a catalyst for change no matter how big or small just to start co-creating those spaces together so because it can often feel like all of the weight is on our shoulders to create those spaces. But hopefully this conversation will start sparking this co-creation with others around us. It's so much easier when you do it together with other sure. people. <laughs> and that's honestly where I have found the most joy in my business. I'm laughing as I say that because it sounds like such a cliche, but I really have like, <laughs> the happiest the happiest spot in my business is being able to have conversations like this with people like you, with my, with my clients, with people in my audience who, you know, we might not even talk about anything remotely related to web design, yeah. but we might be talking about what it's like to create spaces like this together where we all feel like we can be all of ourselves. And I, I just feel like this is, this feels so right. This feels like, what I'm supposed to be doing yeah right there with you <laughs> all right so Danby, this has been such an eye-opening conversation so I just want to thank you first and foremost for not just sharing your knowledge but also some parts of your lived experiences which may not always have been easy so I appreciate your bravery and honesty there and this is a lot for for me to take in, let alone um, our listeners. So I'm curious if there was one starting point that we could just think on to start implementing so that we can do our part in creating a more globally inclusive business, where can we start? 
I would invite you to take a little time on your own to think about like how you run your business, how you show up, what kind of what which parts of yourself you choose to put out there and get familiar with with those parts. Um, it's not I think because we are who we are, um, it feels so obvious, but when you start kind of breaking down, oh, why do I think this? How do I know this? Where did I learn this? And how does that tie in with different parts of my identity? I feel like you'll learn a lot about yourself. And I feel like that's often the step that gets forgotten before we go out and we try to support everyone else. Um, it's really hard to do that if you aren't first aware of, of your, your own identities. You know, you can't go out and try to support other people and try to embrace all of their identities if you aren't already familiar with what that looks like for you. Oh, yes, I agree with this so much. There is ah, the amount of things that come up during this process may be more than you expect. And it's very confronting work, but it's absolutely a requirement. I also believe that in order to support people with where you, you know, they want to go, we have to have gone there ourselves so that we can understand the depth and the commitment it takes to be able to do that. Cause like, I'm literally doing that right now. <laughs> and yeah, well, how confronting that is. <laughs> uh, and, and I would also, as you're doing it, um, this is because you're sharing your process. Something that I've been going through is thinking about, well, which of my identities are pri privileged identities, which of my mm. identities are yeah. marginalized identities yes. and in what context, because the context really changes things too. Um, I grew up in a middle-class family. I have a degree in mechanical engineering from one of the top universities in the world for that program. I speak English. I speak English with the accent that I have. Um, I have fair skin. I am cisgender. I'm heterosexual. And especially in the current uh, COVID context, I live in Singapore, which is a high-income country with a great healthcare system. So all of those things are also all of my identities. And I walk around, I, I move through the world with all of this privilege. Mm. But I also know that as a South Korean woman, I've experienced a lot of racism, a lot of sexism. And those are also things that are intertwined with all the other stuff that I just talked about. Like they can't be separated in our lives, I feel, but we can examine each one separately, if that makes sense. Um, and what I meant about uh, context really mattering is as a South Korean, I don't think, I think my life could have been a lot easier if I weren't South Korean, if I were something else, um, if I were white. But living in Singapore, living in other parts of Southeast Asia, being South Korean gives me privilege. It's my life is easier because I'm South Korean, my, I have fair skin. Um, so I think it's also important to recognize that in different contexts, the same identity can be a privileged identity or, or marginalized identity. Yeah. Oh, that was, that's so important to acknowledge. So thank you for also encouraging us to also look at where we hold privilege as well, because um, I'm actually 
about to start doing this anti-oppression work with Sharon Holmes. And uh, she is biracial herself and identifies as Asian. And she talks about the importance of all of us, not just not just white people, because like everybody, we all have privilege to a degree. And we also have marginalized identities as well. And it's about being able to unpack all of that and to just really work on what we can do, you know, as we actually, be, as we navigate the world with this awareness of both sides. And I also have privilege myself because I, you know, I was born and raised in the UK and I speak very fluent English. I've been to university. I do have a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology. So of course that comes with a degree of privilege, right? And there's also some other identities, which not as much and is like subject to a lot of discrimination. But it's kind of like that coexistence of the two is what makes our, us our own unique blend. And it's, that's what makes it so complex sometimes to be able to navigate the world, knowing where in different parts of the world, some marginalized identities can suddenly become privileged ones and vice versa. So whew, a lot to unpack. So my lovelies who are listening up until this point, there's, there's a lot of work to do, but trust me that the work is worth it. It really, really is. And just thank you, Dendi, for like helping us have this conversation on the podcast because we haven't really had one to this degree before about this topic. So just thank you for sharing up here. And I would love to ask for you to you know, share where we can stay connected with you and uh, work with you because I also know that you have a workshop to help us get started with this work because this conversation is kind of like um. It's, a, it's like a start. It's like a starter. It's a taster almost <laughs> of the work that you do, and you also have a you know a workshop that actually helps us turn it into practical steps. So please let us know where to find you, and where we can learn more about that. Thank you. So the workshop is called Global Inclusion Basics. I designed it really to be a starting point for anyone who wants to build a business that feels welcoming and supportive for people from all around the world. Um, to create communities where people really feel like they belong. And it's super um, practical. We talk about marketing, content marketing, and sales, sales tactics. So it's all about doing that in a really culturally sensitive way. Mm. Um, and you can find that on my website, danvishin.com slash inclusion. And if you want to stay in touch, if you want to say hi, I'm on Instagram, uh, probably a lot more than I should be. I love on Instagram. <laughs> um, please, if you've, um, if you've listened up to this point, send me a DM, say hi, let me know you listen to the podcast and I would love to chat on Instagram. Oh, I'm Dan Bishan, D-A-N-B-E-E-S-H-I-N. Don't worry, no, no one needs to remember the exact spelling because I'll make sure to have all the links in the show notes. So thank you. I got you covered. It's all good. All right. uh, thank you. I'm like, come find me on Instagram. I haven't told you how. <laughs> Don't worry. I got you. I got you. All right. So we have two final questions as we wrap up this conversation today, Bambi. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. So one is what makes you a I love both words 
as I've shared, I'm not a big fan of putting labels on things. So the rebel in me is resisting the, the label of rebel. But I have never been the person to be, that's, let me, let me correct myself. I was going to say I, I was never like an outspoken person. That's not true. I am an outspoken person, but I think that's been conditioned into me. I'm naturally a much quieter person. I was a much quieter child than I am as an adult. And I think that's really who I am inside um, and a bit uh, and a lot of conditioning to present myself a certain way um, has made me has made me louder and I actually much prefer to um, to listen <laughs> to to actually have conversations and especially in the business um, context so often I stop myself because I think is this right like is this the right answer and I am actively reminding myself that I don't have to do things the way other people are doing it. Um, and there's, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the voice inside me, the, the fire inside me tells me that things don't have to be done the way that, that they've always been done. Um, and, I, and I feel like people who follow you, who listen to your podcast, make a feel the same way. And I feel like that's, um, that's my point of connection. Oh, yes. Oh, I love, I love asking this question to all my guests, because everybody has a pretty different definition of what it is, but that's the beauty of it. <laughs> you know, there is no one definition, you can be a quiet rebel to be a quiet rebel. But thank you so much for sharing your version of what it means to you. And my final question is this. So my lovelies, if you have been here before, you know what's about to happen next. But just in case this is your first episode listening and you picked a really wonderful episode to start with, by the way, when you hear the sound, it means it's time to ask our wonderful guest of the day this question. So Danby, <laughs> what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the internet? Um, it's not super weird, but I'm an older, I'm an older child. I have, I am your stereotypical firstborn. I have a younger sister and I know that a lot of her experiences were made less pleasant by everyone kind of setting me up as like the, the example, the thing to be more like, and it wasn't fun for her. It wasn't fun for me, but I think that kind of spills out into a lot of how I, how I live, um, how I run my business, how I do different things in my life. Um, I am really trying to fight that conditioning that I got with all the gold stars, with all the responsibility of doing everything right. Um, I was that annoying kid whose essays got photocopied and passed around as like here's a really good example oh, of wow. how you should have written this essay um and I was that, that really embarrassed me as a kid and yeah I feel like sometimes that that personality kind of creeps uh creeps into my work oh that that's a lot to carry and I'm a younger sibling so I can, <laughs> I can only relate to 
angry because I was always compared to my sisters. Like, oh, like why can't you be like your jaja? Which is jaja means uh, old sister, basically. Um, and it was never the other way around, <laughs> and understandably so. But yeah, I can imagine. But thank you for sharing that because I know that anything from family life is very precious and very um, it's very personal. So appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. And it's been a true honor to to invite you here to speak with with me and you know the quiet rebels who are listening right now. So just thank you for all that you do, Andy. I really appreciate you, and I can't wait to just see what else you create and come up with, and where we could pop, possibly collaborate again in the future. The possibilities are endless. So just thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And so, my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Quiet Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.